Praise the Lord. Turn with me in your copy of the scripture this morning to the book of John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Let me just make one, uh, uh, well actually two other announcements. Uh, one is make sure that you uh, un- get a copy of our schedule for this Christmas. Um, inviting you to come join us and we understand family uh, dynamics and, and different things that go on. Uh, we are having two separate Christmas celebration services. One will take place on Saturday evening um, at 6 o'clock on December the 23rd. Um, we will do that here. It will be a candlelight service with communion. And uh, then we will also have a Christmas Eve service on Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. We will not have, um, we will not have Sunday school or evening Bible studies or anything that day. That's Christmas Eve. So just make sure you are aware of that. Those dates and times are in your bulletin. They are in there, I believe. So um, make sure that you get those on your calendar. If you can come to both of them, that's awesome. We would love to have you come to both. But if you need to pick one, we understand that as well. Because um, I know Christmas is a wonderful ta- family time. We just want to encourage you to come spend a little bit of time with us um, as we celebrate the Lord. Amen. And so, uh, again, that is Saturday, this, December the 23rd at 6. And the other one is... Um, Christmas Eve at 10 o'clock in the morning. Both of those services will be approximately an hour in length. So praise the Lord. Awesome. The other uh, just thing I wanted to draw your attention to, and I forgot to give Pastor Black this memo, was um, in your um, bulletin, where Pastor Dustin is going to be coming. It's so awesome. I turned the calendar, and it's like now it's the same month. It's really really so cool. So they're going to be coming soon, and uh, there's some list of stuff that we can bless them with with groceries. If you can help us with that, that would be awesome. Um, the perishable food stuff, you can bring in at any time. Um, the non-perishable, I'm sorry, the non-perishable stuff, you can bring in any time. The perishable stuff, we have a sign-up sheet in the back. We got to thinking about that this week, and they may not want 20 gallons of milk. So we, we thought maybe we ought to have a little sign-up sheet and and uh, that way we can bless them in that way. And so if you could help us with that, that would be awesome. Uh, doesn't the sanctuary look wonderful? Those that are decorated, it's just so awesome. Yeah. Amen. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you to those to, who helped. Um, how many of you ever heard of Elf on the Shelf? Okay. Here's what we're going to do. You see this little guy? He used to be a drummer boy in the quartet. But something happened to his drumsticks. And they broke off. And instead of trying to do new drumsticks, we've decided this is going to be our elf in the shelf. We're going to have some fun with this this year, all right? Um, today, he's real easy to spot. He was right there, all right? So on our Facebook page, um, here's how we're going to make this a little bit fun. Um, on our Facebook page, we're going to put this little guy somewhere in the church throughout the holiday season. And the first person to respond, I'll, every Sunday morning, I'll put out Elf on the Shelf. Um, actually, how about, uh, let's see, Drummer Boy on the Drone. No. I'm trying to figure something else. I'll figure something else out. And then the, that'll be out. And uh, if you respond to that, um, we'll, uh, the first person will get something. God bless you. Okay, first person will get something, and so we will uh, we'll do that on an every week basis all the way through Christmas Eve. Um, this is our little drummer boy who is uh, evidently watched the game last night because he's holding a banner that says Ohio State on it this morning. 
So uh, I'm not sure how he found that one, but uh, he did. Amen. You know, this Christmas is a, is a wonderful time, and, and this is the time of year when we kind of focus our heart toward uh, Christ and, and uh, him coming to, to this earth to, with a purpose and a reason. Um, and today we're going to start a series of messages over the next uh, four Sundays. It's the, today's actually the second Sunday of Advent. I know last week you're like, well, what? We missed? It's okay. We still lit the candle. Um, but uh, this is actually the second Sunday of Advent. And here in just a moment, um, when I read the scripture, I'm going to ask uh, Brother Stanley and Melanie and his family to come and, and light the second candle. But uh, um, when I, I'll, I'll read the scripture. When I do that, you can come, okay? But uh, this is, uh, this is an Advent season, and so over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about this idea of Christmas, and today we're going to talk about the idea of Christmas love, Christmas love. How many of you have been watching Hallmark movies since October, <laughs> right? Christmas in October on the Hallmark channel. I officially boycotted anything that was even like that until after Thanksgiving. I wasn't doing that, right? Um, one thing I noticed about all those Hallmark movies is they're all the same. <laughs> they are all the same. The settings may differ. One may be a snow lodge out in the mountains. The other one may be inner city New York. One may be in the country of, of whatever, but all of the storylines are the same, right? You have two people that are unbeknownst to one another, and then all of a sudden, you know, there's a little turmoil, and there's a little woo kind of happens in the middle, and then, then all of a sudden, what happens? At the end, they just miraculously get together and fall in love around the Christmas tree, singing Kumbaya, and, and it's just this kind of, you know, life's not like that, right? You know, and, but, but that's kind of like, isn't that the world's kind of view of love? You know, just kind of this storybook ending, this, this thing that just kind of happens, right? Well, that's not God's view of love. God's view of love is sacrifice. God's view of love is giving everything. And today I want to I look at that for a little bit. We're going to the book of John. John is a little bit unique in how he starts his book, because if you look at the other gospel writers, Matthew and Luke actually begin um, by giving the historical accounts and, and the events that took place, and Mark does too. Um, in Matthew and Luke, they talk about the circumstances that led up to Christ's birth, and uh, Matthew starts with genealogies and, and lists them, and, and all of those are important. Because they talk about how God, from the very beginning of time, God had it set that he was going to send the Messiah. He was going to send a, a deliverer that was going to deliver the people from their sins, right? And, and Mar Matthew and Luke talk about the, the Christmas story, if you will. Mark starts off completely different. He just starts off right back smack dab in the middle of, in, in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, with John the Baptist and how he was preaching repentance and, and preparing the, the people's heart for faith in Christ. But all three of these versions, all three of these gospels start off as storytellers, except John. John starts off a little different. John launches into the writing as 
he starts it with purpose. What was the purpose of Christ coming? The present to you is Jesus, the Son of God, who came to save you. If, if you look at the passage that we're going to read, which is the first 14 verses of John chapter 1, he, he lays down the theme of, of this book, really. And at the end of this book, he, he comes up with this thought, and, and it's in chapter 20, and also carry on in chapter 21. He says, um, Jesus uh, did so many other signs in our presence that I'm, I'm guessing that probably there's not enough books, I'm paraphrasing, there's not enough books in the whole world that could contain it, everything that he did. And, and, and then he goes on to say this in verse 31, he says, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's the book of John. We're going to talk about that for just a minute. I'm going to ask right now, Brother Stanley, would you bring your lovely family and would you come and, and light our second Advent candle with us as we read this passage of Scripture in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human uh, decision or, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Father, today I ask in these next few moments, God, that you would just help us to understand the love that you have for us. And how that is manifested in this Christmas story. The God that we would grasp that. And, and I can't think of a better place to start this Christmas season than giving you glory and praise for the love that you have and you've displayed for us. We thank you, Lord, today. I pray let the power of the Holy Spirit speak into our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe there are two simple truths that are found in this passage, and, and we're going to, as they connect with the idea of Christmas love, and the, and the first one is this, God comes to you. God comes to you. His presence is what you need. You did not go for Him. He came for us. 
You see, our sinful nature in and of itself is pulling ourselves, and we are trying to, to continually, it's an effort for us to get back into that relationship with God, but our sinful nature wants to repel against that and go away from God. That's why it's hard. That's why discipleship is hard. We, you've maybe heard the, the phrase said that uh, salvation is simple. Salvation is free. Salvation is easy. And all of that is true. Salvation is free. It is simple. It is easy. But discipleship costs you everything. Because it's that constant effort of being close to God. It's that constant effort of us trying to do our best to go after Him. Why? Because that's hard for us. Because we deal every day with this sinful, fleshy type mind and nature. So on our own, there's no way in the world we could have ever found God. On our own, there's no way in the world we would have ever come to God. But God, this, this idea of Christmas, this idea of Christmas love is the celebration of the fact that God comes to you. God comes to you. In fact, uh, the, the text in, in one of the gospels says this, that we shall call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. How many times do we kind of blame God because we feel like he didn't show up in a circumstance? How many times do we just kind of neglect and kind of do our own thing? And we think, God, bless what I'm doing. Mm. You know, this revelation hit me um, today, and I'm, I don't know why I, I haven't, it's probably been a month or so since I've seen The Wizard of Oz. Anybody ever seen The Wizard of Oz? I know, or Hallmark, or Wizard of Oz, I know. You're thinking, Pastor Joe, you've disappointed me today. I know, I'm sorry. The Wizard of Oz is this tale of, of the going to, this, to the wizard. And there's one thing that I, I noticed about in the, in the end of the story is the, the guy who comes to the door is actually the guy who claims to be the Wizard of Oz. But he's behind the curtain spinning the wheels and making things go. And, you know, and, and old Toto, he's pretty smart. He finds him out and he pulls the curtain back. And the guy put, pay no attention to the guy behind the curtain, right? How many times do we try to do that? I got to keep everything spinning. Got to keep everything going. Got to keep everything working. I got to have the appearance that everything's okay. And then the, and, and the, what we're really doing is just trying to do it ourselves instead of leaning on God to, let it, to have himself work through us. And many times what happens in that situation is we get to the point where we're working ourselves and we come up and we do it ourselves and then we get this mindset and we'll never say it out loud and we'll never probably come to a, a, a moment when it crosses our mind probably, but here's, here's what happens in our actions. We basically say, God, I don't need you because I can do this all on my own, so God, I really don't need you. How do we do that? How do we show that? By neglecting his presence, by neglecting the fact that God comes to us, and he came to me, and he came to give me life, and what I'm doing is trying to generate life in myself. Am I making sense to anybody? 
And so what we end up trying to do is keep the wheels spinning and, and keep the life going. And, and all God asked us to do is say, hey, listen, I came for you. I need you to just come to me. And if you'll come to me, I'll keep everything spinning. But I'll spin it differently than you're spinning it. I'll do it differently than you're doing it. And that's where we have to relinquish the control and say, God, it's about you. It's not about me. So many times in my life, I've found this to the place where I'm, I'm blaming God. God, where are you? Why did you not show up? Why did you not do that? And usually the answer I get is this, because you wouldn't let me. Because you wouldn't let me. He comes to us, but he doesn't force his way on us. He comes to us, but he wants us to come and embrace him. There are truths throughout Scripture. Bible, the Bible doesn't talk about a God who ignores or neglects his children. In fact, it says just the opposite. The Bible says things like this, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never let you be abandoned. I am always there for you. That's what the Bible teaches. You know, the truth is we're the ones that because of our sinful nature and because of our distractions and because of our wanting to be in control who have left him. You know, there's an account in Luke chapter 10 about two sisters named Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha. They're having people over. Everywhere Jesus went, there was a crowd. <laughs> That's just, that was just normal. If you wanted to have Jesus come over, there were people, it was go- you were going to have a house full. You were going to have a lot of people. Mary and Martha, they're Jesus' friends. They want to have him come over. And so what's happening is there's, there's, it's time for a meal, and, and Martha's in there preparing the meal, and she's getting everything ready, and, and she's doing all this, and she notices something. Mary's nowhere to be found. And she looks around, and where's Mary? Well, Mary's in there sitting at the feet of Jesus. <laughs> and Martha comes in, and she's a little hot. Right? And she says, listen, Lord, would you tell my no good sister to get in here? I'm paraphrasing, okay, that's not. Would you tell my no good sister to get in here and help me? This food's just not going to make itself. Right? And Jesus says something to Martha. It's really profound. How many times do we get caught up in the stuff and in the work and in the job and in all the things? And he says this, she has chosen the better. Yeah, I know, we've got to eat. But it's better to be in my presence. I came here for you. John paints that in this passage. In the beginning was the word that even before creation happened in John, in Genesis, I'm sorry, in Genesis 1, even before creation happened, John goes further back than that and says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Even before Genesis 1, God was there and through him all things were created. That includes us. And you read on and, and you see this, this painting that, that he, he moves towards creation. And in verse 5, he says, the light shines in the darkness. In verse 9, he says, the true light was coming to the world. And verse 10, he says, he was in the world. And then verse 11 says, he came to that which was his own. He 
came to us. He became flesh and dwelt among us. Philippians says it this way. Paul says it in Philippians 2, 6 through 8. says, Who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He even died a hum, human death, a shameful death to be with us. You know, that's the epitome of what John goes on to say in chapter 3, verse 16. Some of you know that by heart. It says this, for God so loved the world that he gave, that he came, and he gave his only son. He came to where I was. Some of you here in a little bit, I, I hesitate ever mentioning food in my message, so Stay with me, okay? Some of you here in a little bit are going to be heading to a restaurant, and, and if you go to a restaurant, or if, 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 whether that's one where they wait on you or one where um, it's at the counter, you're going to go and, and you're going to have someone there that's waiting on you. They may come and get your drink order and bring drinks back. They may come and wait for you to decide what you want to eat. The, the idea here is that they are ready to serve they are ready to meet your need, to change your plate, to fill your cup, all those things. Jesus said this about himself in Matthew 20. He said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. First John 4 says, we love because he first loved us. He comes to us. The second thing is this. He comes for you. Not only does he come to you, but he comes for you. Jesus is the answer to everything we have need of. Notice the words that John uses here. We are dead in sin, and John says, in him was life, in verse 4. We are in darkness, and, and John says this in verse 5, the light shines in the darkness. We are sick, and Jesus says the sick will need a doctor, and he's come to heal us. He came for us, not to just demand from us, but to give to us. He became a, sin, a friend of sinners. He became a friend of failures. He showed compassion for the poor. He fed the hungry. He touched the blinded eyes. He loved the outcast. He healed the sick and he raised the dead. And he consumes us if we'll allow him to. God is always for you. Always for you. And I don't think we get that sometimes. We sing songs about it. God is fighting for us. God is on our side. He has overcome. We sing songs about it, but I don't think we truly understand the concept of what that, that looks like. That even when we're going through a difficult season, God is for us. When we're on the highest mountain and everything is going wonderful, God is still for you. When you're in the lowest valley, in the darkest place, He is the light that's still there to help you get through. He's for you. There's a, a parable that was written by Herbert George Wells. 
And he, it's entitled The Country of the Blind. He tells about a, this hidden valley that was shut off from the rest of the world um, by very high cliffs. And only blind people inhabited that valley. And no one there had ever been able to see. And, and he tells this tale of a, a weary traveler that was lost. And he was actually an experienced eye surgeon. And he stumbles into the, this country of the blind, if you will. And he stays with them for a while. He tells them about what the outside world looks like. And, and he begins to paint pictures of its beauty and of the, of the progress that, that man has made in, in eye treatments um, that may be able to help them. And they're just looking, and, and they're just sitting there thinking, and they don't understand him fully, and they find it strange that he even felt that they could even see again. And he, they felt like he was being distracting by what he sees, and, and they, they felt like, man, that's just not normal, and if you want to be normal and be like us, and if you want to stay here among us, you're going to have to gouge out your eyes. Here's a man who had the ability to help people to see again. But they were so caught up in their blindness that the only way they would let him stay is if he gouged out his eyes. And yet here in this world, we need Jesus. He comes to us. He comes for us. Because we need a doctor. And we can't heal ourselves. We're lost in sin. And he's the one who gives us hope. We celebrate Christmas because this is God coming for us. God coming to this world so that I can. He's coming to this world so I don't have to suffer the consequences of my illness. My illness of sin. He's coming as the doctor that has the capability to heal. And I wonder how sometimes do we treat him? Does it make sense? God, there's no way in the world I could ever do that. There's no way in the world that could ever happen to me. He is our help. He's our healer. But we so many times resist him. Just like those blind people resisted that eye doctor. And today he's saying, listen, I came to those who were lost. You know, the word of the Lord came this morning about revival, and we've talked about that, man, and and I don't know about you, but I've been praying for that for a long time. I've been praying for a move of God to happen not only in my life personally, but in our church and in our community for a long time. And when I hear promises from the Lord and I hear words from the Lord that come forth like that, it generates excitement in me. It generates this idea of, of bubbling up inside of me. Because why? Because there are people who are sick. And they need to know the doctor came for them. And they can be made well. They can be made whole. The problem so many times is, is people come to church and you're still sick. Oh, man. We're still sick. We're still having one foot in the world and one foot with God. And and we're trying to ride the balance and and turn the wheels and do all the things that make us kind of go. And we can do our life and we can just add a little bit of God into it. But God says, I don't want to have a little bit into it. I want to be all of it. You can't be whole if you're still infected. 
You cannot be free from illness if you've still got things in your life that are causing you to be sick. So God says, come, I came for you. Christmas is the time God comes for us. We celebrate that. And I can't think of a better reason today than to say, God, I need to be made whole. You came for me to make me whole. Man, today I need that, Lord. I need that in my life. God didn't spare his own son, but he gave him up for us. What do we want? What more could we want? What more do we need? I'll close with this thought. My husband was packing up the decorations for Christmas. Season was over. We were getting ready to put things back into storage. And the wife steps out and says, Have you finished packing up the manger? And the husband says this, I think I'll leave it out this year. You know, in my house, we leave it out because we forgot the box, right? I think I'll leave it out this year because I don't know where I put the box. But that wasn't his thought. He says, I think I'll leave it out this year. He says, sometimes the world seems out of control and Christ seems very far away. And when it does, when it's like that, when sickness kind of envelops us, I can look to the manger and understand that God's with us. And God's for us. And he'll make a way when there seems to be no way. And he makes good on his promises. If God be for me, who could be against me? Father, today I thank you. I thank you, Lord, today. I thank you that you're a God who came to me. That, Lord, we didn't seek you out, but you sought us out. I remember the day I came to you, Lord. The Holy Spirit drew me. Your word says that no one comes to the Father, nobody comes to the Lord unless the Spirit draws him. God, you come, you seek us out. You come for us, you seek us out. And then, God, you also came for me. You came and delivered your life on a cross for me. You came and gave me the elixir to my disease. You gave me the remedy. You gave me what I needed to be whole again. And God, today I pray that if we're going to see a move of God like you've promised, if we're going to see things happen in our heart and in our life, God, we've got to get whole. We can't be sick. We can't just keep having the sniffles or the cough. We've got to get completely well. God, I pray that you would help us to do that. Help us, God. This morning you're here, heads bowed, eyes are closed. And you'd be honest this morning with yourself and with God because I'll be honest, I want revival to hit every one of your homes. I want it to hit your family. I want it to hit your life. I want it to hit where you live. I want a move of God to happen like never before that they'll talk about. 
not just in Byesville and in Guernsey County, but they're gonna, but God's gonna move in such a way that the power of God is going to be on display. And I want it to happen in your life. Today I want to ask you a question. Are you sick? Are you sick? Are you a little bit, even just a little bit of sickness? And you say, you know what, today I need to get well. Today I want to make a decision to come to Christ and get well. I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm not saying that you've, you've messed up. But there's things in your life, whether they're habits, whether they're things that are just not keeping you from being where God wants you to be. Maybe it's a mentality of you trying to take control. Maybe it's a mentality where you're trying to to do everything on your own and you can't give it up to God. All of that makes you to a place where you're sick. Today you say, you know what, Pastor, I want to get well. There may be sin in your life. And maybe you're trying to ride the fence as a believer in the world. It doesn't work that way. You're still sick. And today you said, Pastor, I want to get well. I want to get well. If that's you, would you slip up your hand right now? I want to get well. Yeah. Hands all over the room. Yes. I want to get well. I want to be well. I want to be well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to be well. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. I want to be well. Thank you, Jesus. Would you stand across this sanctuary this morning? I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I come to you today in need of you to heal, to make this sick person well. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my desire to take control. Forgive me of anything today that is making me ill. Because today I want to be wholehearted after you. I recognize that you came for me. And God, today I want to live my life for you. Let revival hit my home. Let revival hit my family. And let revival hit my life. That I may move in a community that is dark and in need of the light that you shine. In Jesus' name. And Father, today I thank you for that. Let that be the case in all of us. Let the light of Christ shine in us. Let the love of Jesus, let the the love of this Christmas season, that it's not about getting, it's not about the gifts, it's not about stuff, it's about the fact that God, you came for me. And today I thank you. Help us to experience a move of you this week in our personal life, in our devotional time, in our times with you, Lord, that you would just uh, consume us and let the light of Jesus shine out of us, we pray. God, you're glorious and we praise you. In Jesus' name, hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yeah. God's good. That's an everyday decision. He being well is an everyday decision. It's an everyday thought. Keep, keep that process going with the Lord. Amen. God bless you.